Hi, and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis, and I'll be your host for this evening for another wonderful podcast that we're going to be talking about food. Not our food, food for the bees. But before we get there, I'm going to tell you where you can find me and tell you a little bit about um, how you can support us here at uh, Friends of Brother Adam. You can find me my home base right now is at odyssey.com, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com, and you look up Friends of Brother Adam. You can also contact me at fatbeehoneyranch at gmail.com, um, and uh, that's the main way of contacting me. Uh, also, you can find me on Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. That's on the web. It's held uh, by Spotify, and of course we've had some issues with Spotify, so I don't know how much longer that's going to be, but we'll see. Um, also, you can support us by watching Odyssey, and on Odyssey, they have a library coin that they utilize, and you can tip people with your library coin. Uh, they give you library coin when you sign up, and then they have certain areas that you uh, watch 50 videos, and they give you a certain amount of coins and blah, blah, blah. So you can uh, earn some money by watching cool things over there on library. I encourage you to go over and try it out. And you can also send uh, um, their... Uh, library coin to uh, those people who you appreciate and you appreciate me yeah anyways uh, you can also see a QR code on the splash screen of the podcast that is for Bitcoin and you can send me a miniature amount of Bitcoin and I'd really appreciate it also um, you can send uh, email transfer to me at fatbeehoneyranch uh, fat at gmail.com and uh, I can put it directly towards what I'm doing it with it um, and that is getting a PC for video editing so that I can put more stuff on Odyssey and then you can see more stuff. Um, I find that uh, these podcasts are really good way of learning because you have to uh, stop watching and you have to really listen to some of the things and, and garner some of the knowledge. I also find that uh, I can listen to podcasts while I'm doing other things. So my hands are doing other things and my feet are doing other things. But in my ear, I have somebody talking and, and sharing their knowledge with me. And I, I really appreciate the podcast people that I listen to. Um, I am very happy about... Uh, um, um, this format, I find that this format is something that uh, uh, really works well with me and hopefully it does with you as well. Um, and the least type of uh, um, support that you can give me, of course, is like and subscribe and tell your friends about me and get them listening. Your, your bee friends. <laughs> All right. So with that out of the way, let's jump into our food. Uh, and see if I freaking well lost it. <laughs> All right, so um, this is B3. And sorry to be jumping around a little bit here, but um, this is going to be coming up here pretty quick. Um, B3, feed bees sugar and protein. So um, I think this particular podcast will just be dealing with sugar we'll deal with protein in another time um, and we're going to start at the end and work our way towards uh, liquid hunt uh, liquid feed but we'll start with uh, the hard feed first and and go that way um, so let's discuss a little bit about why we feed bees um, and this comes from my theory of uh, beekeeping. Um, there are a lot of different kinds of theories out there. Um, we have our granolas out there who are, uh, you know, the all-natural beekeepers. Love them. They're great people. Um, they believe that, uh, a lot of them believe that uh, feeding bees is bad, that you should let, allow the bees to find their own food, and uh, they kind of self-select their, their uh, genetics for um, thrift, 
for hardiness and for their uh, foraging abilities. And uh, yeah, I can definitely see where they're coming from. And yes, I, I have seen hives that they, they get so lazy that all they do is just snack off the food that you give them and, and they hardly ever go out for anything. And that causes issues because um, bees need to go out and collect. They will naturally end up going out on their own and going and collecting anyways, but they you get a lot of the bees in the hive that just would rather uh, eat easy to catch food or easy to, to drink food and uh, so you can get them pretty dependent on you feeding them. So uh, I see where they're coming from and, and I agree with them in a certain respect. However, I also, um, you get the, uh, the factory beekeepers, I like to call them. Um, they, they are the industrial beekeepers. They go out and they have 2000 hives and they don't have time to mess with uh, bees and and failing hives and that kind of stuff so they have to make some quick and brutal decisions on things and then of course they have to support uh their hives um and they have a huge big amount of money that they uh spend on feeding bees and so um a lot of times they will go to the sugar factories with a tanker truck and they will fill up the tanker truck with uh uh already um cooked sugar water it's cooked to the point where it's good for bees so it's it's been heated up but it hasn't been burnt and so uh it's uh in in in, in a more digestible um um uh, good gosh a more digestible um portion for bees like the the way that it is it's it changes the nature of the sugar um, and makes it more like what they would get from plants um, from the nectar of plants so um, yeah totally forgot the word for that but anyways um, so they they come back with these huge big tankers and they drive up to their um, um, their uh, tank on the uh, property and they fill up their tank on the property and then uh, they will have a, a five ton truck with a big huge tank on the back they'll drive up they'll pump it from this uh, tank into the five ton tank or five ton truck tank and they'll drive it out to the various apiaries that they have and literally there's a hose that comes off of it with a small little uh, a pump that either runs off the electricity of the truck or it runs off of gas and uh, they'll start that thing up and they'll go out with their hose with the spray nozzle and they'll walk by and and one group of people will be taking the lids off of the hives and they'll just go along and fill the internal um, hive feeders the black internal hive feeders with this liquid and then somebody else will come along behind them and just put all the lids back on after they're done and they just go down the rows of the hives and just do this all the way through or if they're open feeders they will uh, go right up to a big huge 55 gallon drum barrel and they'll fill the thing three quarters full and then they'll go find some nice floaties to stick in the top of it and hopefully they they choose floaties that haven't been utilized already and already have um, uh, fermenting <laughs> materials in them um, and uh, uh, amoebas and all the other stuff that that happens when when the uh, sugar starts fermenting um, and um, hopefully they pick fairly sanitized stuff to put as floaters and then they drive away from that apiary and the bees just go nuts and literally within a day or two that whole entire 55 gallon drum is empty they drive bears bone um as long as you get it during the appropriate season that's that's how fast it goes down so you really don't have to worry too much about uh they really don't worry too much about other bees coming from other areas and and stealing your feed um but hobby beekeepers you know we have we have more time to be able to deal with internal feeding we don't really feed outside um, in these 55 gallon drums and we're more worried about the um, beekeeper fi um, 
500 feet away and uh, his bees coming over and, and eating up our our uh, our money that we're putting into this uh, uh, sugar that we're open feeding. Um, I have that particular problem right now. Um, we have a factory beekeeper who is um, starting to put more and more bees in, in one area and of course he doesn't feed them so the bees will come and rob out our weaker hives and we end up losing all of our hives and then once they've robbed them out and taken all the honey then they're they just fly away and uh, um, it it really pisses off the hobby beekeepers because here we spend you know two three hundred dollars on on getting bees at the beginning of the spring and then because he throws uh, 50 or 60 hives in a certain area, we end up losing a lot of money because of his bees. And I'm gonna tell you, there have been some very nasty fights between beekeepers because of that. And I really hope that the factory beekeepers who are listening to this understand that when they start throwing these uh, huge big uh, um, <laughs> uh heavy hot heavy bee hives uh, right outside of town what kind of controversy they're about to cause so mm -hmm. you know who i'm talking to <laughs> um yeah we have literally uh, about a kilometer away we have uh, probably about 30 hives that the guy just dumps there and he'll feed them um two weeks in the spring and two weeks in the fall and then he packages them up and, and lets them sit there for the winter. And of course, while they're extremely hungry in, in the spring, when they don't have any feed from the beekeeper, they come and rob out our hives and kill our bees. Uh, they come in and uh, rob out the uh, open feed and they, they, they do a lot of very nasty stuff that I don't like. And I'm torn. I'm torn what to do because, you know, I'd like to go talk with this gentleman and, and tell him. But I also know that there are some factory beekeepers who are like, yeah, I give a, I give a rat's ass what you think. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, and I have permission on this property and screw you. And then there's other ones that kind of listen to you and they'll take away half of their beehives from there and, and make it a little bit nicer for a year or two. And then they'll throw them back out there. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if there's any winning with that one. It just might end up being a, a constant battle with uh, the factory beekeepers. And they don't give a rat's ass because most times beekeepers are honest and they're not going to do anything that's going to harm other beekeepers' bees and, and other beekeepers' hives and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. But, you know, there are those dishonest people who, you know, when, when you put... Uh, 30 hives right beside somebody else's five and they raid them out while, you know, they throw a bug bomb over there or they uh, open feed and they poison the water that they're open feeding because they don't got any bees left because a stupid idiot uh, um, hives have eaten you all out and you're just done. So, yeah, I've seen I've seen beekeepers uh, put out open feeding poison water and uh, laugh as they're sitting there watching the guy come and weep over his uh, 20, 30 hives that he put out there that are all dead because he was an asshole. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> I would really hate for, for that to happen to somebody. I wouldn't be doing it, but I know there are some, some hotter heads in town that uh, would definitely and have definitely taken exception to this guy's um, <laughs> be terrorism. <laughs> so, and, and you know what? Um, we've had a lot of, a lot of difficulties. We have a lot of, uh, older, um, people in our community and they're, they're less likely to use non, uh, pesticide and herbicide methods to, to keep their backyards and gardens healthy and thriving and and uh, of course it kills bees and you get all those things happening and then you get those block wars with that but to add on another freaking block war with somebody with a lot of money and and bees to throw at i don't know anyways back on to feeding wow that rant took 14 minutes <laughs> um yeah so we're going to be talking about 
feeding because of that, because of, of certain instances, like you're going to be doing uh, closed feeding in your hive if you have other hives that are coming over and stealing your, uh, um, your open feeding uh, sugar water so um, and my theory to get back to theories my theory is that we are keeping bees in an area that they're not necessarily suited for um, me keeping bees up here in, in the the plains of Alberta where we're semi-arid mostly desert but we got lots of grassland type of thing and and there's very little water out there and uh, um, at certain times of the year. And, uh, you know, our first flowers are, are dandelions, so we don't get them until late April, early March. So from the time that they wake up and sometimes, you know, during warmer years, they can work, wake up in uh, several times during February. Um, they can and then go back to sleep for you know our minus 40 degree snap or minus 40 degree snaps that we have of of super cold weather and then wake up again uh, a month later and you know end of March and uh, be awake March April and then the flowers come at the end of April <laughs> so you have to you're because you're bringing them into this area and you're planting them here on purpose and they're not really meant for this area it is because you're putting them in that situation it's up to you to provide the food uh, between when they wake up and when the first flowers show up and it's also incumbent upon you to feed them in the fall and this is where I just got upset about this factory beekeeper that I just you know I've and I've called around already trying to find out who he is amongst the the bigger beekeepers and they're all like no that's not our that's not ours that's not ours so I don't know whose it is I'll have to I'll have to go ask the uh, person who's hosting them anyways so my 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 theory is that we need to to handle from the last flow until um uh they're ready to 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 close up their hive and and uh stay in their hive because it starts dropping below minus 10 um or plus 10 i mean um so yeah we're responsible for that and then if we have weak hives we're responsible to internal feed those weak hives so that they can possibly get their strength up enough to to start becoming a, a normal sized hive um, and also when you are making new queens you're responsible for feeding that extremely small hive because they don't have the population to split their hive in half half go out and try and find food and half stay there and of course they don't have usually the stores unless you're you're heavy in stores from you know your other colonies usually they don't have the stores there in their small little uh, um, uh, beehive so you have to be feeding them as well so those are the circumstances that you're going to be feeding in and in in my uh, theory of beekeeping I believe that we should be doing that so and I accept other people's theories and I understand why they do what they do um, but that's this is why I do what I do um, so coming up here um, on our first real big thaw um, I package my hives in such a way that I can open up the top take the top board off replace the top board or take the the weather cover off take the top board off take a look down into the hive see that everything is going well you know kind of lift up the side of the hive find out what kind of stores they have and if they're low on stores I will have made up as many sugar boards as I need as I have hives so I'll just go along and just work them all the way through on a very warm day we're talking plus 10 so they're out doing their doing their potty flights um, and uh, dumping that yellow crap all over your hat and bee suit but they're out there uh, doing their flights and you're just going to open it up put on the candy board and the candy board or the sugar board it will sit on the top of there and because your hive is tipped forward any humidity that goes up softens the sugar and starts rolling towards the front of the hive and then down the wall of the hive and of course as the humidity does that and rolls down there it starts picking up sugar 
and goes down the, the side of the hive and the bees start, you know, cause they're moving around inside the hive cause it's warm enough for that, but it's not really warm enough for everybody to start going out and looking for food. Um, they will start licking up that and go, oh, hey, look at that. And they'll follow the trail up to the, the candy board and then they'll start just eating it right off the candy board. Um, and uh, candy and fondant are uh, a late winter feed for bees that are, are needing a little bit of extra food. Um, in, in, the, in the literature, it says that it's seldom used, but very handy when needed. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's seldom used. I use it all the time. Um, my bees, you know, um, a lot of times I'll have uh, colonies that aren't as, as uh, good as, as they should be. And so in the fall, I do the communist thing and I share, I, I open up all the hives, find out what they have, and then I start sharing the wealth around, you know. Um, and uh, usually we don't suggest, you know, being a communist, but in this particular manner, I guess, I guess we have to in the fall. But then when it comes to spring, depending on how many interruptions in their, in their little uh, uh, cluster uh, has happened, um, they will have burned through different amounts of food and uh, the heavier um, more populated hives will have burnt through more food uh, because they have uh, more more tummies to feed um, and so you can open up a hive that was fairly strong and they've gone through two brood boxes worth of honey and they're hungry so um, this candy board is a great way of of doing it when it's still um, you know, not all the time above plus 10. Um, so uh, the first chance I get in the spring, this is what I'll do. I'll just go through and, and uh, lift up all the hives a little tiny bit and find their weight. And I'll mark the ones that need to be um, uh, given some extra um, honey or I mean sugar. And I'll make up the sugar boards. And so what you do for sugar boards is um, they're the uh, escape board or the um, they're the they're the one underneath the the telescoping cover that's got the little oval shaped hole in it that board right there is what I use for honey boards so what I do is I'll go and pick up some extra um, extra extra tops like that and I'll take it inside um, if I have to make them, I make them out of particle board um, just because they're underneath the other um, uh, lids. And uh, if I make them out of particle board, usually they do fairly decent and they last for about three or four years. Um, and then I will saw some um, rim boards to go around the rim and I'll, I'll staple them on. And before I do that, before I staple them on, um, I will get some um, some sort of wire. So you can do just single wires. You can do uh, new chicken wire, so it doesn't. It's never been used before. You don't want to introduce any kind of yuck into your hive. So new chicken wire, or maybe some pig wire underneath, and you put it underneath the the side rims. And if it's thicker wire, then you you uh, saw the rims so that it goes down to the it goes even with the board, but then there's a little lip that this wire fits underneath. And uh, you put the wire on first, put the rim on second. You uh, pin nail it all down, make sure it didn't come through the top of the board, of course. Um, and then. Um, because you don't want to scratch yourself every time you, you mess with it. And then you flip it upside down so that the wire is on top and the bottom is, is uh, underneath there. Um, and you slip a piece of uh, wax paper um, over that little opening, that oval opening. And uh, you can wax paper the whole entire thing, or you can just wax paper just a little bit around that opening. It's good to use a little bit of uh, scotch tape or, or um, um, Gorilla tape or something to keep that wax paper in place while you're, while you're messing with the sugar. Um, and you need to remember where that uh, hole is because you might be poking a hole in it later on depending on your, how, 
how, uh, how much ventilation you need. Um, the other thing that I do is I usually saw a little tiny escape hole in the front side of this. Um, so not on the long sides, but on the shorter side, I, I put a little escape hole there and I will have it so that um, when I make up my uh, uh, sugar board, um, I will put a piece of uh, wax paper over that opening as well and tape it top and bottom and sides so that when I put in the sugar, it just forms around it and then I can just poke it out as I need to, right? Um, and so uh, you take this sugar board that's upside down that's got the wire on the top, you mix up your candy or fondant and uh, what a lot of people will do is they will um, take their sugar, put it into a uh, a pot on the stove and they'll put they'll add water as they need to and then they'll just kind of keep stirring it because uh, um, the candy will burn if you don't and you just kind of get it so that it's real sticky and you've taken out the majority of the water from it but it's still scoopable and so then you you scoop it up put it in spread it out over this wire and you you embed the wire in the sugar uh, candy so that when it dries um, it has something to hold on to right and the bees will love it because they'll be able to go up and 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 eat on it and everything and it won't fall on the top of the the frames and and smoosh bees or anything it just kind of holds it there with that wire embedded in it um <clears throat> so yeah the candy is usually made by the beekeeper and is usually poured into these trays that are inverted over the cluster once they're dried in place of an inner cover you can also purchase fondant in blocks and then you can cut them with a bandsaw <laughs> i don't know why you do this and placed on top of the top bars over the cluster and covered with a plastic sheet so you put the plastic sheet on top, I think, to cover it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like that method, but I guess you can use it. Fondant comes in various recipes. Only bee approved recipes should be used. So look on the internet, find one that, that uh, is from one of the uh, major bee companies like uh, Bee Made or, or one of the other companies that you can, you can trust. A lot of times some of these uh, well-meaning beekeepers on the internet sometimes are telling you things that they're experimenting with but they haven't proven that that works. So just do your research, be cautious. <laughs> so those are those are candy boards and you can use those candy boards in the spring definitely to give them that little extra boost from the time that um, they can start moving around inside the hive till the time that you can start uh, closed feeding or open feeding. And that period of time is when you have plus 10 at night, that's when you can start feeding with sugar water, either inside the hive or open feed. And, and the reason is, is um, between you know when they start moving around at uh, minus two till till plus ten that area if they were to drink uh, um, something that has um, been outside overnight in minus temperatures if they were to drink it they would literally um, make it two or three steps from that drink or sometimes not even that and they would not have enough heat in their body to make it back to the hive or not have enough heat in their body to make it down inside the hive and uh, they can stand a little bit of that coldness and then come back but a lot of times they'll drink it and and just be so cold that they can't they can't survive and so you'll lose a lot of bees that way and you don't want to lose bees in the spring you'll need all the bees that you can get so just remember that minus or that plus 10 is is the point when you can start feeding liquids um, Let's talk about the camp method. And this is the method that you can use on beehives that are really needing feed, but you know, you just can't get enough feed to them. Um, and uh, it's still hasn't reached plus 10 at night. 
but you need to feed them massive amounts of sugar. So what you do is you do something called the camp method. So you open up the hive, you have the top bars there, you put down two layers of uh, um, newspaper and you use your hive tool and in between the, the, the bars you make little tiny cuts, not very big, just little tiny cuts. Um, and you make a few of them so that they, they have um, access to some of, some of that sugar up top. And what you will do is you will take uh, probably a one pound bag of sugar per hive and you'll open it up and put that sugar on top of the, um, the hive in between the bar and the top of the hive where the, where the roof will sit. And you spread it out so that it's good and even. And um, you can take some, take a, a bottle, a squirt bottle full of water and squirt it, the edge of it, and then squirt the top of it a little bit. Not too much, just enough to get it sticky. And then they will start noticing that stickiness and they will go and taste it and say, hey, this is good food. And they'll start eating it. If you don't spray it with the spray, you are going to have the bees think that it is garbage and get upset at you and start chucking it out the front door. <laughs> so you don't want that happening. Give it a good spray. And as soon as they grab it with their their uh, um, mouth, they'll go, oh, hey, this is yum yum. This is food, not debris that needs to be taken outside. Um, it's quick and easy emergency feed for starving hives. Uh, it can save a starving hive. If fed on the inner cover or on a newspaper over the cluster, um, you, can, you can have the moisture from the bees come up, soften the sugar and dissolve the sugar so it starts to the point of dripping sugar water down. And the bees will go up through the holes that you've made in that paper and start eating away the paper so that they can get to more of the, of the sugar. But what'll happen a lot of times is if, if there's not enough humidity in the hive, if they're a smaller hive, um, sometimes the, the sugar will just pour right through and go all the way down. But because it's granulated sugar, you don't have to worry too much that it's gonna get all over the bees and it's gonna cause an issue. Um, however, if you were to use icing sugar, powdered sugar, that might not be the case, and you might cause some issues by getting powdered sugar on the brood and blah, blah, blah. So uh, bees go up through the holes or up the inner cover and um, eat from the sh uh, powdered or the granulated sugar. Disadvantages. It is generally considered to be an awkward and unsatisfactory emergency method that is seldom used. I don't know. I've used it a bit. <laughs> it's not seldom. I use it a bit. Um, and... Uh, um, it does make a mess out of things. So in the spring, when you're doing your your um, bottom board cleaning, you'll have a crustified bunch of sugar on the bottom board, and it'll be yucky, and you'll end up having to take it and scrape it and retreat the board. And <laughs> but you know it, it it makes it so that the bees can survive right in uh, temperatures up to plus ten at night, and and during the day. Usually when it's plus 10 at night during the day, it's usually plus 15, plus 20. So, you know, it, 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 gets, it gets warmer in the day first than, and it cools off at night, of course. And so you take your, your lowest temperature from the nighttime temperature. Okay, on to liquid. Now we talked about earlier how the factory beekeepers go and take huge big containers to the sugar factories and the sugar factories have already um, quick boiled the, the water and made it into a syrup and uh, they put it into these big huge containers. The beekeeper will go and pour honeybee healthy in there. They'll pour their own mixture of uh, minerals and, and uh, um, vitamins for the bees. They'll, they'll pour a little bit of uh, stuff that makes it taste interesting to the bees. You know, and that's all the stuff that's in the honeybee healthy. So you might put in uh, a, a bottle or two of uh, um, mint. 
you might put in uh, a bottle or two of um, um, what is the sweetgrass stuff? Ugh, I'm not thinking about it, but yeah, you put in your essential oils in there to make it kind of palatable for them, um, and uh, that they might you know be more interested in drinking it. And then as they drive it from the sugar factory home, of course that thing is bouncing back and forth across the baffles inside the tank and for those of you that don't know this inside those tanks they have uh half walls so um and inside the tank they'll have a half wall coming up from the bottom and a half wall coming from the top and then a half wall coming from the bottom and it's just kind of alternating and what that causes is it causes it so that you don't when you start your 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 trailer moving with that in there or your tank moving with that in there you don't get all the liquid going right to the back and and causing issues lifting up the container and having it fall off you know um it is strapped down but with that amount of uh weight and gravity yeah you'll you'll have some problems so they put baffles in there um walls that stop the liquid from moving as fast. So that's that's what that's for. And as they drive home and the water's kind of sloshing and mixing back and forth, it'll mix it up really good. That's why they put the, the, the honeybee healthy or whatever they're putting in there, right there at the uh, sugar factory. And uh, so you put it in and then it sloshes around and mixes it up and you're all good and fine. And uh, like we were saying before, sometimes they put it into other containers that the, they store it temporarily until they use it. Or sometimes they literally take the whole entire um, tractor trailer down, <laughs> down the row and just kind of pour it out as they go. So, I mean, yeah, different ways of doing that. How you as a... a um, a hobby beekeeper can can learn from that is you need to mix it you need to mix in um, minerals and vitamins for the bees you need to mix in some essential oils so that it, they they like it um, and uh, and uh, you also need to uh, I think I think they call it emulsify you you make it into a syrup so uh, you might make batches of this in your own kitchen. Um, I don't usually do this because my my wife is, she's a Red Seal chef and she likes her kitchen clean. And every time I do beekeeping stuff inside, I always, I always make a huge big mess and, and I, I, I get a tongue lashing and a spanking for it. So I, I, I like the spankings, but not the tongue lashing. <laughs> So um, I have an outside burner that I use and, and a big stock pot and I'll, I'll make the, the syrup outside and, and of course you'll, you'll have bees coming over saying, hey, this smells good. That's when you know you're, you're doing a good job. Um, unfortunately, they land right in the middle of it and they die because it's warm and whatever. But yeah, um, and you mix in your, uh, your honeybee healthy whatever essential oils you want to mix in there as well and you can get one of those uh cement drill bits it's like a, a bit that you fit into your your large bore drill and it's about two feet long and it's got paddles on one side that's supposed to mix up the cement but we're using it for sugar <laughs> so you you put that on your your uh, battery drill and you go out there to where it's it's starting to warm up to the point where it might burn and so you put that in there and you mix it all up and you get it all moving around and mixed up and then you turn off the heat and you uh, dip it out in uh, juice containers or something like that and you walk over to the hive and you let it cool down a little bit walk over to the hive pour it in and into your internal hive feeder or into your external feeder whatever you're doing and you feed it to the bees that way right um i i'm a big fan of making outside arrangements for doing this so that you don't get the tongue lashing <laughs> all right so um Bee feed must never be stored in honey supers or extracted as honey. So 
the time that we're feeding the bees this is during a time when they're not really um, bringing in honey and when you uh, and it's before we put on the supers so um, one of the things that 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 needs to be explained to you over and over again and and I need to be reminded myself over and over again is you need to keep brood chamber brood chamber and supers supers okay and uh, yes the 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 frames move up and down and blah 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 but you need to try and use supers as supers and brood frames as brood frames uh, brood boxes of brood boxes um, and the reason is if you are the type of person that utilizes selective pesticides for miticides and things to kill off mites and whatever else um, that's done in the fall and sometimes in the early spring um, and you put that on there the bees walk across it get it on their little footies they lick off their little footies and then uh, what ends up happening is they get it in their their bodies and it doesn't kill them because it's a selective pesticide it does make them sick but that's another story um, and then you take those out of there well when bees walk across it and get it in their mouths they they also go around and and masticate um, wax they they uh, put honey in or nectar into their their bee their honey stomach and then spit it back out so you're you're um, putting that uh, miticide into into the honey that they're using there um, and as they're eating out that honey from the brood box they're getting a secondary um, a treatment because of what they're eating has that uh, selective pesticide in there what you don't want to do is do the mite treatment while you have supers on because you get the poison throughout the hive and then you're gonna uh, process the honey and you're gonna have miticide in it not cool um, the other thing is is that um, all of that honey needs to be used up by the bees before you put on your supers that what they're telling you here as well is they can take this sugar water and or sugar syrup they put it into their honey stomachs and it treats it just like nectar and they will the the bacteria in their stomachs are introduced into this uh, uh, syrup and then they they spit it out in the um, in the uh, cells it starts drying out another bee comes along sucks it in spits it out dries it they dry it with their wings eventually it gets to the point where it is essentially honey but what they're saying is they don't want this bee feed that of course is flavored with all these essential oils and the vitamins and minerals they don't want this going out the door as honey Okay, so that's what they're saying. So this feeding needs to happen before the um, the supers go on that are going to be capturing the honey from the flows. Um, and then, of course, you stop your feeding when the flows start. Um, and then when the flows start, you're going to be putting on your supers. So that's what they're saying here. Um, so you have to kind of keep those two, two or three things in mind and not violate those things because we want to have food safety right honey adulteration can cause the entire crop to be rejected by buyers and result in legal action that's a scary thing but don't let it worry you you're going to do things in the right order and you're not going to have to worry about that right um, if you ever have a customer come back and say oh this honey um this honey is bad. Look at it. It uh, it it uh, um, fermented. It's bad. Take the honey jar out of their hand. Hand them a new honey jar and say thank you very much. Have a nice day. And then take that honey jar that is fermented and throw it out because you can't trust where it's been. You can't trust that they haven't adulterated it. You can't feed it back to your bees. You don't want that in your uh, the rest of your stuff. And you just you have to just throw it out. But you want to get it away from the customer so that the customer can't walk around and say, look at this. This came from Joe Schmo beekeeping. 
So, so you ask if you can have the honey, you take the honey, you smell it, you're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Here is a new one, thank you very much, I'm very sorry for what happened. And, and you let them walk away. Usually when that happens, the problem is, is they left the honey open. Honey is hydro, hydrophilic, so it attracts water from the air. And once it gets water from the air in a certain amount, it will start fermenting. And of course you get uh, uh, yeast from, from the air that gets in there. Uh, it's the same way as making uh, yeast-free bread that you get yeast from the air. Uh, it, you know, if you have it open long enough, the yeast will come in there. If the water content's enough, it'll encourage the yeast to, to grow and everything. And so that's why it happens, usually. Um, but, you know, if they come and they say, oh, this, this tastes really funny, you say, thank you very much, take it, hand it to them. You can do some tests on it and find out what's happening, why it tastes funny. Um, I wouldn't suggest tasting it yourself, but you know, you can do some tests on it and, and see what's going on. Uh, and it might end up being that uh, somebody was feeding bees in, in a time where they shouldn't have been feeding bees and they put some of that essential oils in there and stuff that kind of give a flavor to things. Um, and so they come back and say, this honey tastes like mint, like crazy mint. And you're like, oh, okay. Mint, when bees uh, take nectar from mint, it doesn't taste good. <laughs> so you, you know if, if there's a mint flavor to the honey, it's probably because somebody else was feeding, open feeding, and they just took it back and, and mixed it in with their honey. You don't have control over that, but how you handle it is you say, okay, well, thank you very much. And then you uh, uh, hand out the other honey and you say, thank you, have a nice day type of thing. So yeah, take care of it. Careless feeding can cause robbing of weaker hives, especially if the feed is spilled on or near the hives. So you're open feeding farther away from your hives. Um, if you have weak hives, it's time to move the weak hives to a different apiary if you're open feeding um, because you don't want to cause that to happen. Careless feeding can cause an uproar in the bee yard and result in stinging of uh, innocent passerbyers. Uh, not been my uh, finding usually they're so absolutely crazy about honey and 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 uh, and sugar water that they just that's all that's on their minds getting it filling up both their stomachs and heading back home to spit some of it out that's that's all they got on their minds I haven't really found that you know that's the case however if there's huge amounts of them and it gets caught in a girl's hair and stings the girl because she she's trying to get it out <laughs> well yeah there's that uh, bees can be drowned in the feed if it's too thin and or if the feed is an open surface and has not been provided with adequate floats so you can use floats all, from all different kinds of things you can use dry grasses floats you can use uh, the little styrofoam um, peanuts as floats you can actually uh, cut up pieces of plastic to go in there as floats you can put in pieces of wood for them to land on you can actually make a, a wooden lily pad that sits inside the 55 gallon drum that they can land on and it's got several uh, holes that have been sawed out of them so that they can go over to the holes stick their nose in it and then fly away so you know you got to put stuff on top otherwise you're going to get a lot of death open feeding causes death regardless um, a lot of the bees come over and they're they're old and they just want to have some food and die well that's what happens and then a lot of them get you know they're they're trying to all get to the feed at once and so they'll end up pushing somebody over the cliff and into the drink so yeah it just happens uh, spoiled feed can harm bees uh, use only the best quality feed yeah yeah I've had some feed that has gone fermented and the bees will still drink it because they're they're desperate but it makes them sick um, Off-spec feeds or syrup mixed with bad water can kill or weaken colonies of bees. Give them lots of bee diarrhea and uh, cause a lot of issues. Yeah, definitely can. Um, and uh, they can get uh, parasitic amoebas and things like that as well, just like humans from bad water. So you, if you're mixing sugar and water together, make sure you're getting it from a good source. Um, open feed can attract and kill livestock and wildlife. 
Uh, a lot of the wildlife will come over and start drinking the sugar water and it will cause them to get sick and die. They just start drinking and drinking and drinking. They drink so much that it causes internal problems in their body and they just die. Um, it can also, uh, you know, it can also um, attract uh, bears. Open feeding can attract bears. Uh, they smell the nice sweetness and they're all about sweetness. Um, it can attract uh, raccoons. They, they like the sweet smell as well. And they like the protein smell from the uh, brood. And so they'll come and if they're attracted by the sweetness, they'll find the brood and <laughs> have a good uh, sweet and protein lunch. So, yeah, you, you attract wildlife and, and you, can, you can actually kill them. So you want to avoid that if you can. And when you're open feeding, you need to be supervising that open feeding. So, all right. You have to supervise it a whole lot closer than you would with the internal feeding. So, internal feeding... Um, that causes death inside the hive as well. I've, I've like literally found two or three cups of dead bees in the bottom of these black plastic things. They need to have ladders installed in them and, and or floats in, in them. Um, they usually come from the store with a lid and with an access opening and then a ladder going down to the bottom of the uh, the the container um, over time you lose those parts and so you have to repair it and when you repair it a lot of times you have to put a wood rim around it to hold it open and then you put little pieces of wood on the inside or peanuts styrofoam peanuts or whatever you need to do in order to have them be able to walk on the top of it and drink it and whatever else so if you have found this to be helpful to you today, make sure that you like and subscribe on the platform that you're listening to. Also, think about uh, sending a little something something to me. I really appreciate all the help and stuff. If you have any questions, please email me at fatbeehoneyranch at gmail.com, all small letters, no spaces. And uh, please tell your friends about this podcast because we like to get the gospel of the art of beekeeping out there, right? <laughs> yeah. And the more people that are, that are listening, um, the bigger the conversation we have. So, all right, friends, you guys have a great day.